0: Right. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. If uh, if I have not had the pre- the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Tim Garber. I am one of the non-staff pastors here at Christ Church Westchester. Uh, as always, it is an honor and a privilege to be here and to share God's word with you guys this evening. Uh, if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, please turn into it to Matthew chapter twenty-two verses 1 through 14, Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, and as you're doing that, I want you to picture with me a famous person who has a lot of power, or someone that you love a ton, somebody that you admire, that you would love to to meet. It might be Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. It might be Joe Biden, the President of the United States. It might be Prince William. Maybe you're really into the royals. It might be Dwayne The the Rock Johnson. And let's be honest, all of us would love to meet Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Whoever it is, I want you to picture that person. And this is a serious exercise. I want you to actually picture this person. And picture that they invited you to some huge event. Jalen Hurts invited you to the NFC Championship celebration party. All expenses paid, backstage passes, private jet, you're going to be reimbursed for work. You're going to meet all the Eagles players, meet the coach, maybe even Nick Foles is going to be there, Kevin Hart, you know? Now picture that you told them no. You reject their offer. Business is super crazy right now, work is nuts. It's just not a good time. Now, picture that you not only rejected their invitation, but you killed the messenger who brought you that good news. Well, that escalated quickly, okay? So, Jalen Hurts goes out, and he invites other people, random people off the side of the streets, to come to his party. Teachers, lawyers, coaches, businessmen. And not only that, but prostitutes, drug dealers, embezzlers, thieves. So Jalen Hurts comes out to to his party. He looks out at all his guests and he smiles. But then he sees one person there, and he sticks out like a sore thumb because he is wearing a Patrick Mahomes jersey. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So... (laughs) Or he's wearing a MAGA hat. Or he's holding a copy of Prince Harry's book Spare. Or he's wearing a shirt that has John Cena on it. And at this point, you all know what the the next scene is. All the Phillies fans take him out back, they tie him to a grease lamp pole, they shove a Philly cheesesteak in his mouth, and they allow Gritty and the Philly fanatic to take care of business. So, why did I draw this story out? So, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know that we've been going through a series of Jesus' parables in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, And parables are usually very familiar stories to us. And this is a good thing, because they stick with us. We remember them. They're familiar stories. The bad thing about familiarity is that they can lose their potency. They can lose their shock value. Parables were given by Jesus to blow the minds of the people who are hearing him. If you take a step back and you think about some of the parables that Jesus told, it should wow you. A Samaritan going to those lengths to help a Jewish man. A shepherd leaving 99 sheep to find the one the familiarity of parables can tend to diminish their potency. And I want you to think about that as we read this passage together. So follow along with me in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, also known as the parable of the wedding feast. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my, my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm and another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry. And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite them to the wedding feast, as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing in teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your word would go forth with power. I pray that you would convict unbelievers of their sin for the first time that they would come to know you as their Savior. I pray that you convict believers here this evening, and that they would know you more fully as their Lord and Savior. I lift these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our time this evening is going to be based around two main points. Two main points. Point one, the many, and point two, the few. So point one, the many. Look with me again at verses four through six. Again, he, being the king, sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. So there's a king who invites people to the feast for his son's wedding. It's going to be a huge party, a joyous occasion. Oxen and fattened calves have been slaughtered. No expense has been spared. Everything is prepared. And these people who are invited directly deny that invitation twice. Not just once, but twice. Some of them reject it through indifference. And some of them through violent means. Some of the people simply ignore the call. It's not a good time for them to accept the invitation. The pastor says that they paid no attention, and they went off to their farm and to their business. And notice the demographic of people here doesn't matter, right? Country people ignore the call of the gospel. They went off to their farm. City people ignore the call of the gospel. They went off to their businesses. These people are too wrapped up in the temporal things in front of them that they lose sight of the feast that is offered to them. And notice the second group of people that reject this invitation. These people are invited, but they deal with the messengers violently. They are insulted by the invitation. They go out and murder those bearers of good news. Now think about how crazy this is. Keep coming back to that shock value that we talked about. They were invited to a feast by the king. It was going to be a great celebration, likely multiple days, incredible food, and interesting and famous people, luxury, connections, and the experience of a lifetime. And they said, no thanks. I'm going back to my farm. No, I'm going to stick to my business. No thanks, and oh, by the way, I'm going to kill you. As C.S. Lewis puts it, they are too busy playing with their mud pies that they miss out on a vacation at the sea. I wonder how many people here this evening are like these two types of people. You've been invited to follow Jesus, but it's not a good time. Work is tough, family life is busy. Maybe I'll do that Christian thing some other time. When I'm out of college or when I have a job, or when my kids are out of the house. Friend, if you are an unbeliever here this evening, there will never be a good time for you to follow Jesus. It will never be a good time for you to turn away from your sins. It will never be a good time for you to trust in Jesus and serve him as your Lord. There will always be something in the way, whether it be a class A boyfriend or girlfriend, too much work, too much stress. There will never be a good time for you to trust in Jesus and serve him as your Lord. The time is now. The hour is here because you don't know when you may die. You don't know when your life may be required of you. Or the Lord may come back and you will spend an eternity in hell. And Christian here this evening. Please don't tune me out. Please don't tune me out. Because this applies to you as well. Are you so distracted by the world that you lose sight of the one that you're called to follow? Is family life too busy? Is work too crazy? Is entertainment, sports, hobbies, TV shows taking up time that you could be spending in the word or in prayer or in fellowship with other believers? Or maybe you're the person who responds in anger and violence at the invitation. Now, I'm not saying that you're sitting out back and waiting for Pastor Raymond after the service, but maybe, how do you react when you're confronted by by your sin? Do you receive it as an invitation to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or do you defend yourself and ignore the call? I believe that this part of the parable is primarily speaking to unbelievers, but people who reject the gospel because they're distracted or offended by it. But, believers, you need to ask yourself as well, am I acting as a functional atheist? Do the cares of this world cloud out the things of God in my heart? Do I get offended when I'm confronted by my sin? Am I offering every facet of my life to my Lord and Savior? What areas do I need to grow in? And this is such an easy trap for us to fall into. These are traps that I find myself falling into. I can be distracted by my job, distracted by finances, distracted by parenting. If you know me for any amount of time, I'm a huge Chelsea football club fan. I get distracted by that. I can be offended when confronted by my sin. But there's a warning for me in this parable. There's a warning here for you, in this parable as well. Look with me at verses 11 through 14. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called But few are chosen. There are people in this world who will appear like they are part of Christ's church. But they actually are not. There are people who will look from the outside like they're following Jesus. But in their hearts, they're really just living for the things of this world. And notice the punishment that awaits these people. Bind him hand and foot, cast him out into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Unbeliever, repent of your sin and trust in Jesus. Believer, test yourself and make sure that you are of the people of God. Because eternal torment awaits those who are not his people. So point one was the many Point two is the few. The few. <clears throat> Notice with me who is welcomed into this w- wedding feast at verses nine and ten. Verses nine and ten. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to, th- to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. After the rejection by the or, 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 original guests, the king goes out, and he invites everyone. Come, come, come to the wedding feast. My son is getting married. Come, prostitutes, tax collectors, murderers, adulterers, coveters, sinners, come. All are welcome to the feast of the king. Friend, you this evening are welcomed to the Feast of the King. And you may say, "I want that. I, w- I want to come. I want to be a part of this feast. I want to partake it. I want to dwell with the King. I want to be found acceptable in the eyes of God. How do I accept this invitation? I know I'm invited. I know I'm welcomed. I want to come, but what garment do I need to wear to be found acceptable in the sight of this king? What deeds do I need to cover myself with to be found an actual child of God? And not just some hypocrite who will be cast out in outer darkness without a wedding garment. Brothers and sisters, The garment has been given to you. The garment has been provided for you. Your own deeds will earn you nothing but condemnation before the king. But the son himself, Jesus Christ, lived out perfect righteousness, never sinning once. And he took your sin on the cross and he died for it giving you his perfect life. He alone, he alone had the proper garment to stand before the king, and he gives it to you freely, no strings attached, a free gift. The question is, will you accept it? Will you accept the fact that you cannot stand before a holy God by yourself? Your sin has condemned you to hell. But if you trust in Jesus alone, and you wrap yourself in the garment of his righteousness, hiding every part of yourself, because you know if I have one hand sticking out of this garment, I'll be condemned to hell. If there is one deed that I do myself, that I bring before the king, I'll be condemned. It is only Jesus. It's not Jesus plus good works. It is only Jesus. And now, out of a thankfulness towards the one who saved you, you strive to live out a holy life. Not to earn that salvation, but because you love the one who died for you. My Jesus died for me. He died for me. How could I live any other way? And yes, you're going to sin, and yes, you're going to falter, and yes, you're going to fall short, and the winds and the waves are going to crash against you, but you will hold fast to the mass that is Jesus, and only Jesus, because he's the only one who saves. A Christian is not someone who lives a perfect life. It's a person who recognizes that they are a sinner, a person who trusts in Jesus alone for their salvation, a person who strives for holiness because they are a new creation, and a person who keeps coming back to Jesus when they fail. Is that you? You've been called to the wedding feast. Will the cares of this world keep you from coming? Will your pride keep you from coming? Will the sin that you prize so dear prove you to be a hypocrite? Or will you come and receive the invitation of the king and rest in the finished work of Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray for us this evening. Lord, I pray for the unbelievers in this room. I pray that you would show them what awaits them if they continue in their sin and continue to not trust in you. I pray that you would show the believers in this world the sweetness of the gospel. That we are forgiven of our sins and that we are wiped clean and spotless through the blood of Jesus. I pray that when we sin and when we falter, we will keep coming back to you, knowing that there is grace shown to us and mercy at the foot of the cross. And we lift all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Please continue worship with us. Would you stand with us?